Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So today's episode, ladies, you're for a real treat. We have Kim Bob on our show. She has been in investing for 38 years, and her track record for no evictions is incredibly stellar. So what we actually dive into is that she's really mastered the self-managing process for her rental units. So we actually go through a four-step process in the four, four areas that you really need to have in place and what they either look like, examples of each, to really set yourself up for success when you're actually self-managing those rental units and not giving them away to maybe a third-party manager. And she's been investing since 1990. So she gives very real examples of situations and one of the most important skill set that she mentions is the communication are you the right person to be communicating with your tenants and what i love about kim is how she looked at the tenants as teammates and how they give you feedback it's like your scorecard truly love this if you're looking to self-manage you are in real estate building your generational wealth and building portfolio with rentals this is a must this is a totally must podcast for you before we get into kim's story let's hear a word from our sponsor you're trying to close on your next rental so why is your insurance company dragging its feet with long lead times and never-ending paper forms it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. And thank you for being back with us for another interview where we dive into a rock star women's world, whether it's investing, business, or self-care, our three pillars. And so, so excited to have you, Kim, on our show as our third time guest. 
Uh, you're a friend, you're a colleague, you're a leader in our space. So thank you for being here today. I am absolutely honored and privileged to be here. So before we get to Kim's story, we'll, we'll get you up to speed a little bit there. And we're going to talk about pros and cons, self-managing, hiring a third-party manager. We're going to go through your four-step process of uh, making sure you know, you're know you doing what you need to be doing to, to grow your portfolio. Before we get there, Andres, we always like to get connected to, to all of our amazing listeners and, and community that's out there with us on this journey. So you're on the docket here. What do you have? Well, he, here's what I have. If you have not heard that yet, you should be under a rock or something. But we're coming up pretty, pretty soon with InvestorCon. So there's still time for you to save your seat. We are recording this in January. By the time that this goes out, not sure if this will be true yet. But here's what you can. I'm so excited to have Kim. For different reasons right first of all zero eviction under her belt isn't she the landlord queen or or what <laughs> right you tell me i've known you for a couple of years and and you know when you meet people they are consistent with how they live their life how they present themselves and i think that when when speaking about investor con with kim and what she's going to break down don't we love like when people break things down and give us like checklists and like tell me the steps <laughs> i believe women love like the step by step so so i'm very excited about kim's presentation and and you should be damn freaking excited about the bonus that she's gonna give everybody and and Kim, let's. I was gonna wait until the end of this interview for you to share what it is that you're gonna give people, but let's not do that to them. <laughs> she teased them. I don't want to tease them. Yeah, I, we don't have the time, right, girls? We don't have the time for it. So, Kim, share share with people what can they expect from your presentation, and what is the bonus they're gonna get. So thank you so much, Andressa. And I believe based on the success that we've had in self-managing our property is that it, it becomes very granular. It becomes very dissecting the step-by-step -step process. It's like baking a cake. You have a recipe and if you repeat it every time, nine times out of 10, you're going to get the same result and or you can fine tune it as you go along. So we're going to break that down in the workshop. I'm going to present step-by-step -step systems and techniques that we have used over the 38 years that we've been managing not only our property, but uh, my mother-in-law's properties and have gained success. So I'm going to break down those steps one by one in different categories. And then I'm going to give you a gift of that recipe mm -hmm. that you can follow when you go back to manage your properties. It's like seven, seven documents how many yes. is like a bundle is checklist it is the the checklist bundle that's going to give you the eight steps to processing a rental application is going to give you um all of the criteria that you need to be compliant particularly in the jurisdiction that we're in which is philadelphia but uh, your checklist on how to do a maintenance walkthrough uh and just a variety of steps that's going to give you the tools that you need so you don't have to think about it is right there in front of you. You go step by step, you check the boxes, and boom. You can add to that recipe, but at least this is a foundation for you. I love it. You're speaking my love language. That's that's all I love. Processing, that's my love language. I need to, you know, you guys, 
heard me saying this, but that gets me freaking excited. So, ladies, if you have not purchased your ticket yet, click the link below. We have the the link for therealestateinvestor.com slash investor con. Without further ado, let's take over. Yes. Yeah. So, Kim, what lesson, let's kick this off here. What lesson has taken you the longest to learn in your business? Oh my goodness, what lesson has taken me the longest to learn in my business? <laughs> I'm chuckling because we're in tax season right now. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, that's a good one. That's a great one. Yes, and really fine-tuning and creating a timeline of capturing you know, all those expenses and income throughout the year and really getting ahead of it mm. so that we are handling our business and getting those tax documents into that CPA or that accountant uh, early on and not be like a mad scientist, you know, in the lab at the last minute. So that's that's taking me the longest. And this year is going to be a great, um, I think, a great test. We're going to get a high score on that this year. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So let's let's go here where we're going to talk a lot about the pros and cons of self-managing versus hiring a third party. And then we have some other great things to kind of discuss. So I've done both. I've self-managed and and hired third party. Um, and Kim, let's just kick that off with your thoughts because there's are, there are pros and cons. There's no one way that is going to fit every single real estate investor. And so, what path have you chosen and why? And just you know, just some of your general strategy around that. Let's let's start with that, and then we'll we'll get more granular. Sure. And what I find is that many of us find ourselves in real estate by different entry points, right? We could have inherited a property. We could have intentionally said, I want to get into real estate. So we we come at, at different angles. And because of that, sometimes we're not prepared. Many times we're not prepared because we're just winging it. And so rewind 38 years ago when I met my husband, who, by the way, we've been friends for 40 years. We've been married for 38. And when I met him, one of the unique things was that was different between his family and mine is that we always owned our primary home, right? But his family, they owned their primary home, but they also owned investment properties, multifamily units. And so when I met him, I was introduced to that difference uh, around real estate. And we started managing his mom's multifamilies. We were like zombies walking in the dark with our arms extended trying to figure this thing out. Uh, mm -hmm. But one of the incentives that his mom gave to us as a young couple, uh, just digging our way into consumer debt, was that if you finish the property, you can have the rents. Mm. What an incentive, right? The hustle. Oh, yes. <laughs> Get the daggone thing done and learn as you go. So that was kind of our entree into self-managing. And that was managing his mom's real estate. And she was buying, this is kudos to, you know, the women out here. She was buying real estate into her 70s. Mm. Wow. And she was a factory sewer. Wow. Rolling away her money and buying properties. Uh, and so, you know, we helped her along and we learned along the way. And because of that, we really just replicated that, that approach to it as we acquired our own assets. It was just instinctive. No, we're going to manage this. Now, I should retract that because we did attempt to identify a property manager for her unit early on, and it just didn't it didn't fit. So we said, you know what, we'll roll up the sleeves and we'll do it ourselves. 
And we pretty much carry that approach throughout. You know, Liz, it's it's important for all the listeners to think about this, right? We hear a lot of people say, well, if you self-manage, you're not going to be successful because we see the same type of person on stage sharing with us what success looks like, right? And I wanted to open up the conversation over here. Success might look like different for every single person. And it's not because you are managing or letting a property manager handle this, the properties that you're more or less successful. I don't think that that is a determination of, of success, right? So let's leave it at that. But let's get to the point, Kim, here. You have a four steps for people to determine if self-management is a fit for, for them. And I think everybody should have this comes to Jesus time where they, before they jump in and try to manage, right? That they look, they do like a inventory that they stop and think before they make a decision because then it is a strategic decision instead of, oh, let me just put a fire over here and do that. So let's break down, Kim, one by one, those four steps that you recommend. Sure. So what I call it is the MSRP formula. And for those retail connoisseurs out there, this is not the manufacturer's suggested retail price acronym that we're familiar with. It stands for mindset, skill set, resources, and your plan. I believe that it's a fair assessment that one should take, even if they're already in it and or if they're starting, right? Because statistics show that 35% of Real estate investors who buy rental properties fail within the first five years. So if you're measuring your MSRP, what is your mindset? It's kind of like Michael Jackson, uh, the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror in our case. What is your mindset? Be honest about that. I was at uh, an event this past weekend and met a woman who is in the real estate and she clearly said, I have a property manager because I don't like dealing with people. I have a problem communicating. So what's your mindset? Be honest on what your mindset is. Secondly, is your skill set. You just mentioned your love language, Andressa. You have to have the right skill set. Do you have administrative skills? Do you have diplomacy? Are you able to follow through and follow up? Are you able to follow checklists and, and be in communication with your tenants? Are you able to you know, have intuition and sense when something is going on. So skill set is very critical to the success of your ability to either self-manage or manage your property manager, because I always like to throw that in there. And then, so you have your mindset, your skill set, your resources. We all know that when you're managing real estate, you need resources. What happens if the hot water tank busts? or if there needs to be new concrete, you know, poured on the front sidewalk, what kind of resources do you have? What's your network like? Which is very important when you're assessing whether or not you want to be in this game. Because if you're just winging it and you're in it and things happen, what are you going to do? Right? How do you how do you serve your customer, which is your tenant? And then the final P is the plan. What's your plan? I learned how to play chess at a very early age, right? And chess is all about strategy. How are you going to move? What's your next two steps going to be? So when we talk about the plan, what's your plan? 
What's your exit strategy? What's your acquisition strategy? Are you going to leverage these assets? Like, what is your plan? So mindset, skill set, resources, and what's your plan? I think is a great formula for someone to just take a pause, sit back, and ask themselves those honest questions and be honest about it. I love that. Let's let's dissect that. I like dissecting. So the mindset, right? I think the mindset, because I can't see my blind spots. So unless somebody tells me otherwise, or I have a very solid group of people that I like, trust, and respect, is really challenging for one to evolve and to have a mindset that is supportive, empowered, instead of a victim mindset, right? Because that's their reality. That's how they see it is a lens. That is the truth, right? Until there is a click or somebody coming around and say, actually, turn it this way and you can see the same reality from a different point of view. Those are tweaks. So for mindset, if if something is not working well for an investor, right? We usually go to the, the nitty gritty. But I dare to say many times, the bottom line, it's a mindset issue. So how do we tackle that? How do we switch, improve, and I don't know, take it to the next level? I haven't been able to do that. Yeah. I think you have to own your behavior. I what do you mean by that, Kim? What I'm going to unpack that. You have to. I own, love it. <laughs> you have to own your behavior. If you are short with people, right? Or if you are terse, if you are non-responsive, conversely, if you are very communicative, if you get positive feedback from your teammates, and I consider your tenants your teammates, your tenants are your on-site property managers, your first line of defense of protecting your asset. So if you're getting positive feedback from your tenants and your customers, then that must mean you're doing a good job at, you know, being mindful and being that type of person that you need to be. Conversely, if you're getting negative feedback, then I think you need to, again, own your behavior. And if you want to be successful in the performance of your assets, you got to make adjustments. If you don't make adjustments, then you're going to get the report card that you get. You're going to get non-communicative tenants. You're going to get people who pay late. You're going to get people who don't pick up your call, ignore you, ignore your emails. So there are signs as to whether or not your personality, your mindset is really working. Kim, do you think that all different types of personalities can be effective at self-managing? I hesitate because of some of the individuals that I interact with who admit I don't deal well with people. So all if the question of if all different type of personalities can manage property, I think, again, if we own our behavior and look introspectively and say, I don't really have the personality to do this. Conversely, I have interacted with landlords who say I'm too nice. I was mm. going to say that. It's the other the opposite. Yeah. Uh, Which can get in your way, right? Yes. So, yeah. Where do you think will be the sweet spot? So let's think about this, right? You have those, raise my hand over here on that type of spectrum that does not like the minutia, the that, no thing so much. I, I own that, right? That's not my type. 
And then the other side, you have people that observe all these stories, the reasons why it's so nice yeah, to them. So we did when we, when we self-managed. Absolutely. Take advantage. And then people take advantage of mm -hmm. it. How does the middle ground should look like? So if you were to picture a perfect self-managed investor, what are the traits and characteristics that you would say are important? Communication for me is the elixir of a fruitful, a productive relationship, right? So someone who has great communication skills. And I have a friend who's a judge and I borrow her statement a lot. And she says every day she stands in judgment of people, right? On the bench. Mm -hmm. And so that ideal self-manager is someone who has a good sense of judgment. I feel that we have a great sense of judgment of, of people's character, right? Once we analyze all the data, the background checklists about them. So having great communication skills, being able to judge people in a healthy way as it relates to your business, not in that negative way of judging, and then having diplomacy, right? Being able to interact with someone and admit if you made a mistake or if, if I was wrong and conversely communicate that to them in a respectful and timely manner. I think those are the soft skills that present, you know, a person that is is a viable candidate for self-managing. And what would you say? There's a lot of uh, property managers now that are pretty much at the point where you know, there's very minimal uh, human interaction you need to make with your tenants. They've taken a lot of the humanists out of it to make it more automated, more seamless, more tech-oriented. I'm curious to get your thoughts because, you know, and about that. And because when people think about self-managing and you hear different people talk about it, they do go down the path of, okay, what tech can I put in place? How can I minimize, right? Have it, you know, from an automation perspective, what have you automated and what haven't you automated? Uh, yeah. Is there a balancing act there? I, I think there certainly is. And, you know, the past two years, the pandemic has really forced, uh, you know, self-managers and property managers to pivot uh, and to assess the processes and how they, you know, conduct their businesses. And, you know, as, as a self-managing company, we have had to, for example, we've incorporated DocuSign, right? We, we rented units during the pandemic. Historically, once our showing agent went through all of the applications, I then take on the ball and manage the final screening of that tenant in person. I couldn't do that. So we incorporated technology such as DocuSign. Uh, additionally, I would typically meet with those applicants because I'm into that love language, Andres. I want to read your body language as I'm asking you questions because I'm judging your character. I couldn't do that. What we did is we incorporated Zoom. And part of that gift is a Zoom checklist. I would ask them specific questions and watch their body language. So technology has has you know helped us to navigate. Conversely, to your question, um, Liz, about property management and how they've incorporated technology as you know a main tool. I come from the old school. Like I will pick up the phone and, and call someone in a minute if I'm not getting a response from a text or an email because the human touch, the human interaction for, for us personally adds a layer of relationship building. 
you know, versus a text or uh, an online system where you're just putting in your maintenance request, which is fine. But I think there needs to be a balance to that. Couldn't agree more, Kim, because, you know, people make meaning of of what they read. Right. And and they hear the voice or or the tone or I, I don't know about you, but people that come from different countries, right? We're going to literally, what you wrote is what it is. Not literally. The, literally, right? So when people sometimes make jokes with me and then I look at their body language to see if that's what it is or if they are joking. But if they write that to me, many times, uh, Beverly, uh, the, come a friend of ours, I say, what do you mean? And then she says like emojis, like laughing face, <laughs> because she knows that I did not get what she was trying to say, right? So I think that it's so important what you're saying. There are certain things as like, hey, my toilet is clogged. Pretty simple, right? But yes. then when, when we comes down to having deeper conversations about a renewal, an increase or a move out or, or a bigger issue, I think that the the generation that I am a millennial, but I don't consider myself part of this generation that use text message and full conversation in writing as an effective method. So I don't know if you have like a hierarchy in terms of communication. So it's super technical this way. And then what makes you get to the phone besides them not responding? Is there a, a specific subject that you will either skip the writing or like judge, right? Keep everything in writing. So what are your do's and don'ts? So I think it depends on the situation. And I will use a recent example that we had with one of our units. It was a bizarre issue with water. Uh, a mysterious uh, source of water was seeping through the front foundation of this property. Mm -hmm. And 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 our on-site manager, our tenant, detected it initially, right? And brought it to our attention. And initially, it was just a small seeping. And over 30 days, it grew to pumping 18 gallons of water an hour. Out oh, my of gosh. It, wow. was, it was bizarre. Right. At the end of the day, we found the source. But over those 30 days, like it started with a text, you know, bad properties, you got an issue. OK, fine. Let's just monitor it. We went on site. We checked it out and we monitored it. And then as it got worse and worse, our tenant lives there. So they were dealing with it on a daily basis. But as as property owners, we eventually were on site as well, helping them pump water, using our resources, political resources, our network, and uh, ultimately having a daggone street dug up twice to find this source, uh, huh. which was a water source from an old abandoned building next door. Well, wow. the point that I'm making is we started out with with text communication and then it built up as the problem built up to being physically on site because and i equate it with a parent having a sick child right we want to comfort them but we can't remove the pain but we can be there holding their hands right and showing that we're generally concerned about this which was the relationship that we had with our tenant in this situation as it built so it went from technology but i believe 
depending on the situation, you got to step up and step in and be on site and show that you genuinely care and that this is a mutually beneficial relationship. I'm providing a wonderful abode for you in exchange for payment, but we're in this together when it gets hot and heated, like a situation like that. Yeah. I'm not just going to send you a text and say, well, you know, I called the water department. They'll be there. I'm not sure when. Just hang out. No. I love that. And, and it's also... Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part of management, you said management under skill set. You also have shared so many different things. I know we're talking about mindset, but you really talk about skill set as well. So much of management is a marathon. It's a marathon, really. It, it really is like the initial call, the follow-up, the checking in. It's a multi-step process. So if you think of people who are really good at that, especially in self-managing, right? They're able to, to play out the marathon. And then there's people that like a sprint. You know, they're like, I got the property. I got the tenant, I wanted something else. And it, and there are people that are like that, but yet now they have this portfolio and they're like, but they're calling me again? I thought I was done with those people, you know? And it's more of a, it, so I, I made this analogy last night and I think it's relevant here is that, are you, a, do you like sprints to like marathons? People that are actually more, in my opinion, totally my two cents, but people that are really good at self-managing actually are more marathon oriented. You know, and they're able to go to the next follow-up, the next follow-up, the next follow-up. They're not on to the next thing necessarily in and of itself. Doesn't mean they can't be creative. Is that related to emotional intelligence though? Because then I feel that those folks are like complaining that the tenant is giving them the feedback, Kim. As as you said, it's like, I don't know. I'm annoyed. I don't know. Blaming. Here's my thought. I don't, I mean, we could debate this, but I don't know if it's an emotional piece. The fit is off. Right, it's a square peg in a round hole, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and and I think that people that are creative, they get attracted to real estate investing, and maybe for acquiring the deal. People that are amazing at acquiring deals, they're on to the next deal. They're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's the opposite of what you need on managing a business. It's the opposite of what you need on managing anything to fruition. Um, and so, but but that happens all the time. 
right? You get the square peg in the round hole and you get this creative type that's just like, oh, I got to hear from them again. And it's not that they don't want to help them, but they're kind of on to the next thing and they're not fulfilling that energy of creativity or whatever is moving them. And or service, right? Or service. This is servicing your customer. I look at I look at this industry so much as, you know, um, a team. I love that you call your tenants teammates. I think that's a beautiful thing. Oh my goodness. So when we when I go through the final uh, screening process, I build up this environment like Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Like you want the golden ticket to get into one of our units, you know. And I had a, uh, a couple who's still in our one of our units and they were like, we won the ticket. We won the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> but um, over the 38 years, we have, you know, interviewed hundreds and hundreds, maybe a thousand, you know, whatever uh, applicants. And when I go through that process of calling their previous landlord, well, number one question is, why are you moving? Right. And they give us the reason. And then I'm doing the landlord verification. And I'm telling you, I have interacted with some landlords and I've said to myself, self, I see why they're leaving. Wow. Landlord doesn't return a call or, you know, when they return the call, they're short. They're terse. They're what do you bother me for? Sure. Yeah, they're leave. You know, is is energy and attitude? I think matters a tremendous amount when you're conducting this business. I love that. And it I, is a business. It's not your personal relationship that you can just blow somebody off, even though it's supposed to be a mutually beneficial relationship. Like they're the headache tenant, they're getting on your nerves, but you want their money, but you don't want to call them back for two weeks. That's yeah. just not a standard that we accept. You know, you you remind me of something that a week ago we went to check a twelve unit, and the landlord slash owner slash everything was showing the units. And I'm not somebody that is going to be like, "Wow, this is in bad shape," right? I'm I've seen it, I've smelled it, I've seen it, you know, all of it. But I got pissed off at him internally to the point that I will say nothing because to the way that the lack of maintenance with tenants in there, it, it kind of pissed me off to the point that I was like, yeah, you are a slam lord here. And, and don't you see that the bathroom is sinking to one side and, and you tell me that you don't charge rent from one of the tenants because he does the maintenance in the building what wait so i was like how can you sleep at night right knowing that your tenants are in the building that it's not appropriate for them I wanted to get them out, renovate the whole thing and put them back, right? But you're delusional with your, with your asking price and what you see here is not what we are seeing. But this, you are saying the attitude, the attitude, because I don't think many landlords can see the tenants as teammates. They see as they're doing, you are doing them a favor. And, and, and I, and I can't I, take I, that. I agree with you. And one of the test questions that I pose out there in a landlord world is, would you live in your unit? Your standard should be at a place that you would live in your unit. We would live in any and every one of our units, number one. And then secondly, you know, 
I, I look at this, and I think perspective is so important, right? I look at this business as it's a team sport, right? It's like that three-legged stool. Without the tenant, the property doesn't produce. Without the property, the tenant doesn't have a place to live. Without a quality landlord or property manager team, then the whole equation doesn't work. And any any leg in that stool, if any leg in that stool is weak, is not going to be stable. Yeah. So that's love, why I look at it holistically. I love that, Kim. And and that really goes to the resources. So if you got the three-legged stool, then you probably have like, what are the other stools that kind of support, you know, multiple stools, I guess, under the table. I'm killing this metaphor right now. But <laughs> when we go down the resources perspective, what do, you, what do you think are the biggest mistakes or the biggest mistakes and or the biggest needs that landlords have to, to really build up a network uh, because it's critical, right? What, what, what do you find to be from a self-managing perspective? What's that one, two, three, you need them on your team from a, from a, cause you said network earlier. I want to get more granular on the network, like who specifically? Yes. And I believe honestly that, that my, that my professional career, my professional past career, because I fired my nine to five two years ago. I was just so blessed to be able to do that. My past career really prepared me for our business along the way. So I had like a 10-year procurement uh, career, right? Always sourcing supplies and goods, building relationships with suppliers uh, for one of the largest you know, uh, research institutions uh, in the country. So to answer your question about resources, and I'm going to change the metaphor to um, a four-legged table. Oh, there you go. That's that even better. That it makes more sense than right, what I'm right. saying. <laughs> so you got the I was wondering. I was like, okay, Americas, I don't know about the three-legged table, but I guess. The four-legged no, no. table, you got the tenant, the property manager, the, the asset, and the resources. So I believe that you have to identify the resources and build relationships before you need them. Mm-hmm. So that when you do need them, and this is old school, you've got a Rolodex that you can go to and identify a source. I believe in in benches. I've done a lot of group work, group dynamics. I believe in having like three people on your bench in each position. And you can only have that if you're out there networking, building relationships and vetting those resources so that when you need them, I'm not really into sports, but if if your top player is not available, then you go to the second string, you go to the third string. But you're only able to do that if you're out there building relationships and creating those resources for when you need them. Uh, Lastly, I come from the old school. I was raised by my mother around time management. Like if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. So if, you know, you need resources, you need to prepare yourself and have a bench so that you're not scurrying around when you need it. You've already got those resources lined up. And that's how we've been able to run that play. I just had that conversation about time with my son yesterday going to swimming class. Things like, it's too early. I was like, no, honey. (laughs) We're going to be on time, right? Early is on time. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, you're going to get it. I don't want to rush. I don't want to run to the parking lot. I want to arrive. I want to sit. I want you to calmly walk to your coach, sit down. I, I, And I've seen it. You look around, there's people like, oh, oh he's just right? yeah. <laughs> taking it, right? And nothing wrong with that. But we get the opportunity to be mindful with our time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so we're not early. No, we're on time. Early is on time. It's like, 
Okay. Okay. So Kim, the planning part, right? I'm all about planning as much as, as possible for so somebody that is considering self-managing. Mm -hmm. What are what are the first steps or what what is the foundation that they need to have in place? And I'm always going to speak from my point of reference, right? In our journey and what allowed us to create our plan and i i've referenced we for a number of times but that's my husband he's my business partner right yes. um when we first were nudged into buying real estate as an investment by my mother-in-law it was just haphazard right uh she really pushed us and and really gifted us our first investment property it took her 10 years to convince us that you need to have more than just a primary home right and so after that acquisition back in the early 90s, uh, a series of events happened in our life. We're talking about careers, right? I was downsized twice. Back then they called it downsized. You were downsized. My husband was downsized once. And we were raising a family, encouraging them to uh, you know, obtain higher education. And all of these things were happening at once. And you know, we also had the foresight to think that prayerfully we're going to season. I don't like to use that word old, but eventually we're going to season. What does that life look like for us? How are we going to pay for college for our children? Do we like the feeling of someone else determining our economic health being laid off? No, we don't. So we're going to take control of this. And this is where the planning came in. And this is where the education came in. And this is where the networking and the exposure to different ideas that we had not been exposed to. And we started planning. We started taking the risk once we obtained information and knowledge, and we started leveraging our assets to buy more assets, uh, to say no longer would someone else control our finances. Dad, going it, we're going to buy rental properties, and our tenants, our team members are going to pay us, and we're going to create our own economy here. Um, no longer are we going to ponder about how we're going to pay for college. We're going to buy a property for each one of our children. And the cash flow is going to pay that daggone tuition. So, you know, and systematically as we get, as we season, you know, is that thing called Social Security going to be there? Well, daggone it, if it's not, we've got our own plan, our own solution. So these were the things that really motivated us to take certain steps and to make certain decisions and create our plan. And I'm curious because uh, you've been, you've been investing with your spouse since what, for 38 years? You definitely trump me in that. Um, so I'm curious for everyone listening, how did you initially have those conversations? How did you, was it one partner more than the other? Or was it both of you collectively? And how, how have you successfully navigated that? You know, I know that's a big question. It's <laughs> an entire podcast. It's an entire podcast, actually. But I don't want to cursely not talk. I don't want to just brush it off. I want to talk about it um, because... That's a big one for people and, and, and the folks listening and the room listening. So initially, was one one or, or, or the other more interested? And how did you get on the same page with the plan specifically? That's what I mean. So I'll start uh, in the answer to that question with relationships are complicated. They take work. And if you pray for me, I'll continue to pray for you because being in business, <laughs> it sounds like a my plan. husband, <laughs> everybody's spouse, everybody, you know, has not been, a, you know, a crystal staircase here. Trust me. And speaking to the women out there listening to this response and to this question is valid in, in the world that we live in. 
right? We're men of the head of the household and women are, you know, we, we are, we do what we do, what we do, right? And for us, it was a unique journey and it was compounded with my professional background, spending two decades at a very high level in the state of New Jersey, doing redevelopment, underwriting deals, and obtaining all of that knowledge and skill and interaction and expertise. And then coming into my business with my husband, whose family exposed me to it, who was already exposed to it, you know, him popping his car, I'm the one. And I'm saying, yeah, but I'm doing multi-million dollar deals over here at work, nine to five. Like I do bring some expertise to the table, right? So there, there were some growing pains. There were some growing pains and there still are growing pains. We have an asset that we're trying to figure out what to do with. He has an opinion. I have an opinion. And sometimes I believe I've learned in relationships. You have to be patient. Like everything is not for discussion right now. I pray for patience every day in my marriage. It's a good advice. That's great. I love this. You got to pick your battles. You got to pick the timing of the conversation. And sometimes you got to test the water. Like I brought up this asset a few years ago because I'm the numbers person. I'm the process person. Yeah. And I'm looking at the spreadsheet and 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 not seeing performance on this saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's pushback. I'm like, okay, let me, let me, let me just back up on this. And I waited another year and I waited another year. So I think uh, it's important to know yourself to understand that relationships are very, uh, you know, dynamic. You're dealing with a whole nother individual with a whole nother perspective, background, upbringing, then them being that male, right? Having that perspective and that persona. It's been work. I'm telling, I tell people all the time, it's easy to get married. The work is staying married. And then you sprinkle being in business with your mate. It's an interesting journey, but uh, we have weathered a lot of storms and we walk around, we're empty nesters now. Uh, and and just reiterating again that my mother-in-law, his mom, you know, nudged us into this. We, we walk around now just being humbly grateful and saying mom would be proud of us. If she could just see, you know, the growth from the seed that she planted mm-hmm. and how we have nurtured nurtured it and grown it. We just walk around the house sometimes. I'll just say, we're blessed. Or we'll just sit and talk about his mom and say, you know, how proud she would be of us. So it's been a journey, but it's work. It's work, work, it's work worth doing. And um, privately next year, we'll be celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary. Now, I said that he is firing his, well, I don't know if I said it, but he's firing his nine to five April of this year. And he I- worked at night. Most of our relationships, I worked during the day. I retired two years ago. He's retiring in April. Our 40th is next year. I'm praying that we make it because I don't know if we can coexist <laughs> like 24 hours together for the first time. That's for part That's part, part two, right? Uh, Kim, so excited to have you at InvestorCon coming up and you're just a wealth of knowledge. And not only your wealth of knowledge, right? But you, you explain it in such a a kind and specific way, which is a unique blend. So work in the ladies listening, learn more about you, follow you along your journey, and uh, please share that. Yeah, so I have a website, www.lldocs30.com, and I'm on Instagram at the same lldocs30. I'm excited to meet all of you and be a resource for you as well. 
and I appreciate uh, you, Liz and Andressa, Andressa, for having me and uh, valuing me as, as, as a resource. 100%. All this information and the links that Kim just shared, you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Kim, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? Recently, in recent years, I mean, uh, it's been Who Moved My Cheese? which is a book about how you manage change. And that metaphor can be anything, change in relationships, change in jobs, uh, you know, change in health. I think it's so important to be able to manage, uh, well, number one, to identify your personality and how you manage change and recognize that, again, own your behavior. So that that book is, is a quick read. It's a whimsical story about four different characters, and you kind of hone in on which character is similar to you and how you manage change because change is inevitable totally right the second question is what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life whatever balance means to you positive self-talk positive self-talk uh every morning obviously i'm you know i'm praying but i'm also journaling and and motivating and pouring in positive talk. I can do it. You can do it. And success leaves clues. So I'm always looking at what I, you know, deem as successful individuals or circumstances and ingesting that information to build my strength, my mental, my mental muscle on a daily basis, because we can overcome anything mentally, spiritually, physically, business wise, if we have the right self-talk. Last question, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? My mom. My mom, yeah. Uh, factory sewer, again, like my mother-in-law, and uh, just represented the ability to create something from nothing, from as young as I can remember. She's a factory sewer. She was a factory sewer, but also a seamstress and a fashion designer. So I grew up watching her, you know, take a raw piece of fabric and make a beautiful, my beautiful wedding gown or my beautiful prom gown, painting a home that we moved into. Uh, so just showing resilience, creativity, ambition, and stick to itness. Awesome. Kim, thank you so much for being on today. And I'm excited to see you soon. So appreciate you being there in, in May and just all that you do. So thanks again. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks, Kim. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.